I'm Sydney. And I'm Julie. And this is Restaurant and Retail Revelations. We're back with a fresh episode of Restaurant and Retail Revelations. This is a podcast brought to you by Rebel Systems, provider of the leading cloud POS platform on the market. As a quick reminder to our regular listeners, my co-host Julie is still enjoying leave in light of her growing family, and I am joined once again by another amazing reveler, Kate Ross, for this episode. I'm honored to be invited back, and I'm looking forward to speaking with our featured guest, Rich Sweeney, who is a solutions engineer for Revel Integrated Partner Restaurant 365. Yes, partner features are always a treat. And for any Top Chef fans in our audience, we are in fact talking about the same Rich Sweeney from the show's fifth season and cameo in the 13th season. If there's time, we'll definitely have to ask Rich about his time in the Top Chef kitchen. And I understand he's actually got a pretty lengthy history in the hospitality sector in general. It'll be great to get his perspective on the role of tech in the restaurant space And I am personally curious to see what inspired him to switch from working at restaurants to working in support of them. I couldn't agree more. Let's get to it. Here's Rich. Rich, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thanks so much for having me. So our regular listeners know that I'm a huge fan of context. And before we take a closer look at Restaurant 365 and your role as solutions engineer for the brand, I would really love to explore your connection to restaurants in general. I think it goes way back, if my research is accurate. And so I'd like to hear just a little bit about the kind of formative moments that you had with the restaurant industry and just your first exposure to the business. Absolutely. So if we're going all the way back, first exposure, uh, I grew up in this business. So my mom, my stepdad had a bagel business and catering company. Uh, My dad was a restaurant manager. And so I grew up like going to the restaurant with my dad and like watching him like, you know, on his day off, inevitably how it was, you know, going in and kind of like checking things out and making sure that stuff was being done properly. And you know, kind of doing like little line checks and site visits and things while he was there, just while he passed through the restaurant and kind of uh, had started with that idea of like, anytime you're, you're walking in, you're walking out, you're always looking like, is something out of place? Is there something that needs your attention? And, you know, just kind of like that, that little bit of like attention to detail, but how do you catch those things? And then how do you kind of just the, almost the Danny Meyer, you know, like gentle, constant pressure of, Hey, this is out of place. we got to fix it. we got to fix it. You know, like may not be perfect all the time, but you can always push for it being done that way. So grew up like in that world, like walking around commercial kitchens and just kind of like, okay, I guess this is just normal what most kids do. Spent my summers in high school working for my parents. I grew up on Long Island in New York. And while all my other friends were getting up early to go to the beach and like learn how to surf, I was getting up at 4 a.m. to go make bagels, you know, but hey, you can't beat a good New York bagel. But I mean, outside of that, it was just the getting up, getting used to it, kind of like instilling that like. Uh, sense of work and what that's like, but also seeing a different part of the food service world. We were a wholesale bakery that not only had, you know, our own bagel business, but we also sold bagel dough to other companies, you know, kind of just all of these separate things. So it was like, you know, seeing different sides of the business and the wholesaling side from the retailing side, from the restaurant side. Uh, fast forward a few years, I swore off restaurants because I said, I'm never, ever, ever going to do this. I've watched what my family has like put themselves through and dealt with. And I don't want to do that. Uh, and I started waiting tables 
and bartending and did that for a few years. And then the restaurant that I was working at was trying to get me to become a manager. And I was like, no, nah, I don't think I want to do that. And I just kept bartending and I hopped around. I went up to Cape Cod and worked up there for a year. While I was there, I decided, you know what? I think I want a big change. My kid sister was going to San Diego to come for school. And I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to go to San Diego. And I figured I was being a bartender. So I was going to come here for the winter. So that's where I still live currently. And then go back to the East Coast in the summertime. And uh, came out to San Diego, got a great bartending job. Also ended up finding a restaurant <laughs> managing job, um, which I was just kind of like, I don't know how I'm falling into this, but I am. And then while I was there one day, um, it was a breakfast and lunch concept. My two line cooks uh, were cousins and they got into a giant screaming match and then stared each other down and then both walked out opposite ends of the restaurant. And then I had no one in the kitchen. So I was like, oh, okay, I guess this is me today. Uh, so like jumped in, kept going. I've always loved to cook, you know, cook for my family, things like that. Got home from work that day. I think that weekend I was working at the bar and I got home and there was a commercial that came on on TV when I got home about a culinary school. And I was like, well, this sounds interesting. And so I went and like sent them an email. And the next morning, this ever so excited recruiter reached out to me at like 8 a.m. And I was still half asleep. Just like what? Um, but I got myself together and I went and took a tour of the school and got to meet the head of the school and was just like, actually, I think this kind of just feels right. And he asked me, you know, why do you want to come to culinary school? I said, well, I know how to cook. Like I know the basics. I just, I don't understand why we do what we do. I don't understand why these things happen. The, you know, the, I know that there's a certain order you have to do things in, but I don't know what that order is per se or the reasoning behind it. And I like, I'm one of those people that I need to understand why in order to really do something. And so that was part of why I went to culinary school. Went, had a great time, loved it. Did an internship after that, uh, ended up jumping around for a couple of different restaurants, worked my way up through one of them to quickly kind of move move up the ranks. I uh, became executive sous chef there in about a year and a half. And, <laughs> and then I did this like really little detour where I did uh, a tiny reality show that nobody watched but my mom. So um, that's kind of embarrassing to bring up. But uh, I mean, it won an Emmy. So if you watch Top Chef kind of thing, if you want to see a grown man cry, season five, all me right here. And that was awesome. It was a great platform to not only learn from other people, but to network and to springboard myself. So I went from uh, being executive CEO, I got promoted to be exec. And then I wanted to go out and open up my own place, which I did uh, here in San Diego. I had my own restaurant for five years. And after five years of dealing with constant turmoil and the joy that is owning a business in California, and then also the joy that sometimes can be landlords that do things that are in their best interest, but never yours. I think the final cherry on top was the street. My, my restaurant had a giant patio right in front of it, and the street cracked open because the water main broke, and it was this really pretty waterfall that then soaked everybody who was on my patio. So they weren't really too happy about that. And we had to turn off the, you know, the water had to be shut off for the day. And it was just one of these things. And then the city said, okay, you know, we're going to replace all of these pipes. And it was just a, a nightmare of city construction. Cause you know, if landlord construction is bad, city construction is somewhere like many levels worse. Anyway, fast forward through all of that, worked for a few other people, hopped around for different concepts. I worked for a group that I helped them grow in San Diego. I worked for a Southern California-based uh, Mexican concept that we helped kind of grow and scale. Uh, and then 2020 rolled around and was kind of like, ah, that's not really fun. Um, sat at home for a while and then coming out of uh, the end of 2020, went back into a restaurant. Um, but while I was home, uh, I decided to like kind of get into more of the technology side of things, trying to figure out if hospitality is going to change as we know it, how do I want my role to you know kind of play out? 
And while I was in the kitchen at my last restaurant, you know, I told my boss, I was like, Hey, just so you know, like, I, I really love this. I love cooking. I love the people, but I know that I don't want to be in four walls anymore. I want to do something different. And this is going to have an expiration date. And I don't know what that is. Uh, and so when I finally told them I was leaving um, to come to restaurant 365, it was, you know, the conversation of like, you know, I had like a little piece of tape on me and I was like, do you remember where we talked? And he's like, yeah, what's the expiration? Like pulled the tape off, you know, like we do in the kitchen. So uh, kind of like a fun little play on that. But um, yeah, it was kind of like a, a, a long, weird, windy road of like going through seeing it as a kid and swearing it off, but then inevitably like most restaurant people getting pulled back into it. And then even when I tell myself I'm going to get out of the industry, I still now I'm working for a restaurant software company. So I'm still attached to the industry, just kind of, you know, one, one toe in still, I'm still in it, but I'm not really directly in it. So it's a good place to be though. Yeah. I would think it's safe to say you're well accustomed to life in the industry then. (laughs) Just a touch, just a touch. I mean, I definitely have seen my fair share of, you know, all different slices of the business. When I was in culinary school, my old chef had told me like, learn different sides of it, learn different aspects. If you can travel, do it, you know, find out more, never stop learning. Uh, You know, every day you should either be, you know, learning, teaching or trying something new. And the day you stop doing that is the day that this is no longer the business for you. Um, And I've always kind of taken that to heart, kept it in my pocket. Yeah. I mean, that's a great segue into my next question, which would be, so with a career ranging from restaurant front lines to restaurant support roles, what is it that you most love about the industry? The thing I most love about this industry is also the thing that sometimes drives me absolutely crazy. It's the people. When, when I have folks that I talk to now that'll ask if I miss being in the restaurant, I'm like, I miss the people. I miss my team. I miss those really perfect services where like, it's absolutely chaotic and insane, but like choreographed and everything is still going the right direction. Um, you know, and then you can like laugh and joke. And I was that guy where like, if people got way too stressed out in the kitchen, mostly because I would get way too stressed out in the kitchen that it was like, okay, let's just stop and like laugh for 30 seconds. So I was like, just a giant kid. I'm a giant goofball. And like, I would stop and do something silly to make everybody kind of break out of their shell and okay, cool. We did that. Now let's get back to business and really focus on what we got to do and kind of got everybody in the right headspace. But it was also those same people that would like, you'd want to wring their necks because they were, you know, calling out sick at the last minute, you know, and they were like your, your lead person that, you know, promised you they wouldn't call out sick and they would be there kind of thing. So I think the thing I love is that thing that also could make me, it's true love. You know, it's true love when it like makes you happier but it also makes you more insane than anything else. Uh, It's got to be the people in the restaurant world. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's kind of that catch 22, right? People make things interesting for better or for worse. (laughs) So forgive me for the next question because I'm in the camp with your mother. I am a (laughs) top chef super fan and I've got to know what inspired you to compete in season five. And then I also want to know, are Tom and Padma as disarming in person as they are on screen? So I watched the show and was like, oh, this is cool. I really like this. I want to check this out. I want to like, you know, learn more. And a buddy of mine here in San Diego actually used to do PR and marketing and stuff. And he was like nudging me like, you have such great personality. You should like throw your hat in for this. And I was like, all right, like, let me just go and see. So I actually interviewed first for season three. And it was funny because I'm in LA And I just remembered from back when I lived in New York, I I went to school for theater. And so it was like, you always want to, you know, do something that's going to make you stand out in people's eyes, preferably for a better way, but sometimes it's a risk. And so I interviewed for Top Chef three seasons in a row, three, four, and five. Every season that I went in, 
for my first interview, I wore the same exact t-shirt because I knew that if I had a good reaction the first time and I went back later, there was a better chance they would remember me because of the shirt. And so the t-shirt that I wore was one that said, I heart hot moms. So I went the the first time and like made it through like, you know, like the first couple of rounds of interviews. And then it was like between me and somebody else, like at that in-person interview. And they basically like dismissed me and kept him. And then he was the first person to get eliminated. And then season four, I actually flew to Vegas to go interview there. And it was a different crew of people. And it was just like there, it was, everybody else was very like buttoned up. And I just kind of stuck out now because I was the guy in the t-shirt and I was like, oh, I don't think they're taking me seriously. It was different people, different folks from the casting team. And then season five, I drove up to LA and it was just the, you know what, I'm just going to do it one more time and let's see what happens. And I went in and they had this big panel interview. And as we're, you know, kind of going around, we're talking and uh, Stephanie Eisert was about to win. And we were talking about, you know, a female top chef. And I said, you know, well, what about a gay top chef? You know, and then of course, all eyes from the casting people are like, you know, like what's going on over here? And, uh, you know, that, that kind of sparked the conversation and it had come up earlier in the chat where it was, you know, somebody kind of called out my t-shirt and they're like, so what is it that you love about hot moms? And I was like, they're usually married to hot dads. Uh, and like afterwards, one of the casting guys was like, you just, you have like a, a great wit about you. And I think you'd be really fun. So um, got to go and like, you know, throw my hat in for that. And I always laugh when people say, you know, how'd it go? It's like, well, I didn't win, but I did get to meet some amazing people and great networking and Padma and Tom and Gail. Honestly, Gail was the judge I was the most afraid of because she's just so like, either she likes it or she doesn't. She's not going to hide her feelings. She's not going to sugarcoat it. You know, sometimes Padma would kind of like skirt around something or Tom would kind of like talk around it a little bit. But Gail's was very direct. And so like she was the most judge that I was the most scared to cook for. And I just remember going back for the reunion episode and I was walking to go get a cup of coffee from the like, craft services table. And I just hear these two girls giggling. And then all I hear is, oh my God, Richard. And they both come running out of their dressing room, like hair in curlers, jump, give me a great big hug. And I was just like, wait a minute. Like, cause in the show, you never get to really interact with them unless the camera is going. And so it's very formalized, you know, like you laugh and joke a little bit, but it's all in the context of filming. And this was like the first time that we really got to like, just like chit chat with nobody telling us we're not allowed to talk to each other. Um, and it was great. So, I mean, like, it's so cool to see the the human side of, of all of those judges as well. You know, people that I, I respect and that have like, you know, great careers and great palettes. And when they're, you know, singing your praises, it feels amazing. And when they're telling you something sucks, it definitely slices a little bit deeper, you know, but I think it was uh, overall, it was still just a great experience to, to get to do. That's great. I've actually never watched Top Chef. So it sounds like I'm going to have to start at season five. You just uh, have to watch a couple episodes of season five. After that, it all goes downhill. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Okay. Once you're gone, no need. Um, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to route back to what we were kind of talking about previously, but it kind of sounds like the pandemic was the moment in your career that triggered that shift from working directly in restaurants to then supporting them through the tech sector. Does that sound right? Do you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. My my husband's a software engineer. And so during the pandemic, being a chef who's sitting at home with nothing else to do, um, I was making food like crazy. I don't know how to cook for two people. So like I was that guy during the pandemic where like I had those uh, like meal prep containers and I would message all of my friends on our like group chat and I'd say, okay, I'm going to go out for a walk today. 
and I'm going to stop by all of your houses and like ring your doorbell. And just, you know, I'm dropping off food and I would like make something and then go drop it off for everybody. Um, so I was kind of like, you know, cause that's how I was justifying to myself. It's like, well, if I walk to everyone's house, then I'm like exercising and I'm dropping off like, you know, this like butter pound cake or whatever it might be. I'll make everybody else fat, but not me. And so like, but during all of that, at one point in time, my husband was just like, I love that you're finding your love of cooking at home again, but I can't keep eating like this every single day because this this will kill us. Um, and so he was like, here, you know, he's a programmer. He's like, here, why don't you like learn something tech based and handed me a, a you know, a link for an online uh, course for like Coursera or something like that for uh, learning how to write Python. And I was kind of like, oh, this is kind of like fun. It's like a little puzzle. And while I was at home, I started like getting really into it and learning more and learning more from that side of it. I was like, oh, okay, there's like this whole technology side that I really am getting into. Restaurants are like the last stand for tech. You know, it was like uh, most, I mean, there's still so many restaurants that still have paper tickets. You know, they're like writing them out. They put them on, on the spindle, you know, send it around to the kitchen, all of those things. And so how do you like, you know, take technology and help bring it into something that's a little bit more modern? And while I was at my last restaurant, it was looking around trying to find other things outside of the direct restaurant world, but that were like restaurant adjacent. And I looked at a bunch of different tech companies uh, and restaurant 365 was the one that just stood out to me the most. I knew a couple of people that worked here. I reached out to some people on LinkedIn and did like informational interviews uh, just to kind of find out, you know, I see you came from the same background as me. Like I found this company where so many of the people there were former restaurant operators I was like, oh, well, this is kind of cool. You know, what do you guys do? And what do you think about it? And everybody I talked to had just great things to say. And so I was like, cool. So I can still, you know, keep keep a toe in. I could still be involved in the restaurant world, but I'm not having to deal with the restaurant schedule or the terrible side of people. You know, I get to talk to all the great people uh, and I get to hear their their stories and we can commiserate, but I don't have to, you know, stay working until three o'clock in the morning because my closing sous chef called out today kind of thing. So that was where I just wanted to find a way to, get out of the operation, but also still keep keep with the industry, but find a way to help other restaurant people. Um, when we had our restaurant, my other half, uh, who just managed to sneak out of the room, uh, <laughs> my other half wrote us a program for recipe costing. And like that way I could just kind of go in, like update my, my invoice and it would update on my costs because when we first opened, I costed everything out. And every time we put a new dish on, it was always costed, but I never updated them. And five years of owning a restaurant after like the third year dishes that we put on the beginning that we still had now beef prices had gone up and I didn't realize that I was losing money because price went up little by little by little. And now I went from a dish that made me money to, you know, barely breaking even or losing. When I found restaurant 365, I'm like, oh my God, you guys are just like that program that my husband ran, but like way, way bigger and bolder and like with more bells and whistles. So it was like, I just felt like it was like that perfect fit of like, oh, I, I know what this is. I see the value in it for myself. And I feel like other restaurant people, if they know that this is out there, it could help them so much more as well. Out of curiosity, do you ever dream of opening up another restaurant in the future? You know, I think I still have like that romantic notion of like, oh, like, you know, at some point in time, I'll have like this tiny little like 10 seat spot and it'll just be super cozy. But then I'm also like, no, I live in California and it's really difficult to run a business in California. And I see the struggles that a lot of our restaurant customers face. Um, and I just like, I kind of have that moment where I'm like, okay, I'm romanticizing it for myself. I know what the struggles are. I know what the day to day is. And while some of that was great and it's definitely, you know, part of what made me who I am, I don't know that I want to put myself through that again. I don't know that I want to 
put my marriage through that again because nothing like owning a restaurant together to make you a really happy couple because you know restaurants have no struggles and no problems um so then when you come home after you've worked together all day and now you're just like yeah it's definitely one of those things so i don't know i mean i i love the idea of it i love getting to be creative i love getting to cook for friends of mine i still do like chef catering kind of stuff you know off to the side here and there but i don't know that i would definitely want to go back into it but i i still it still hangs out in the back of my mind hey that's fair and i mean especially once you know the full trials of something it makes a lot of sense that um you can let go of some of the things that add that rose tint to a concept you know just with the experience so you did mention earlier, you know, restaurants have been very historically slow adopters of technology. And as someone who has now been on both sides of things, tech side and deep entrenched, starting with bagels and on, on up, what do you think is key in getting operators, especially those who are usually resistant to tech, to adopt it? I think when it comes to adoption, you know, it's like nothing is more comfortable than status quo. Nothing is more comfortable than the same. And change is hard. You know, it's change is, it's inevitable. It's hard normally is for the better. And so when, like, when I talk to folks, I, I was just in Columbus, Ohio the other day, cause I was traveling around for work and I got to go meet a, a prospective customer and it's a father and son. And the father is handing the business over to the son and the son wants to grow it. He wants to have more franchisees. He wants to open up more locations for himself. And he has this like internal system where his dad is taking care of all the bookkeeping still. And so he's been able to really focus on well, how do I grow the business? And dad is so used to his current systems that he's just kind of like, well, no, why would I change if this all works? And we had to have that awkward conversation of just like, well, you travel, like you live in Florida most of the time, but then you come back here when you guys have a new franchisee, a new whatever, because you go and you have to teach them how to do their accounting in your systems that you use and all of that. And what have you missed over the course of your entire career? Because you had to go back and do something. You had to go somewhere and do something. You couldn't, you know, accounting, it's, it's credits and debits. So like, if you could do that from the beach in Tampa where you live, like, wouldn't that be easier? You know, just hop on Zoom. And, and he was still kind of like shaking it off. And, and I just said, you know, what about when you don't want to be doing the accounting anymore? Like when you don't want to be doing all of this for your son, one of the things that, that I learned in kitchens was creating your succession plan. You can't move up until there's somebody else to take your place. And so you always want to be teaching and grooming the people behind you or, or that you're working with to help, you know, kind of step in and take that role so that you can have the next opportunity. And so it's like, for you, you found the opportunity to hand the business over to your son he doesn't want to do all of the accounting work that you're doing and he wants to find the right tools that can help the, uh, that framework and set him up for success in the future. So where do you think that you doing all of the accounting for him kind of falls? And it was like that thing where he kind of stopped and was like, that's like, if you always do something for your kids and they never learn how to do it for themselves. And I think that, you know, if, if we are going to do this, I want to be a part of it. And it's like, we're not trying to push you out of the business. You know, like, it's not that our software, it's an accounting platform, but it's not like it, it pushes somebody out and says, okay, nobody's needed to do this anymore. Like there's still stuff to do, but you do everything by screen, you know, from scratch and he doesn't have the, the, the wherewithal to want to do that. So how do we kind of meet in the middle and really find that, that happy medium. And I think that's where, you know, for restaurants and, and tech, trying to find a place of meeting in that happy medium. 
automating some of those things or making it easier, you know, like data entry and putting in your sales. Nobody wants to do that. It's not fun to sit in front of the keyboard and just, you know, stare at the screen all day. You know, nobody gets into restaurants to stare at computer screens all day, which is ironic that I got into restaurants and now all I do is stare at my computer screen all day, but that's different. I made a shift, you know, and so being able to kind of have that, that different perspective that's there, but helping folks kind of see that they don't have to do everything from scratch, that they can have some of these other systems that aren't going to push them away. It's not going to, you know, take, take everything that they have and, and disappear with it. It's just giving them a tool so that they don't have to spend as much time working. They can actually find work-life balance, which I know is like just the, the thing that we never say in the restaurant world, but why not? Now there's technology tools that can help us get to a better balance. Why not put them in place and not work yourself to death by being able to, to lean into something that's going to make it easier? Point of sale systems are a key example. You know, it was like everything was done by paper and you had to, you know, ring in all of your checks and then balance everything and people could steal really easily on those paper systems. And then point of sales, you know, became more and more prevalent and tools like Revel that have amazing features that are built into it to help people better run their business and have a tighter eye on, on their numbers. You know, we're doing the same thing. We're just doing it from the back office perspective. So really helping people see that there can be a better way uh, without having to do it all manually. Yeah, I think as restaurant software platforms, we see a lot of this, if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of mentality. So I love your perspective on why we should try to shift that. Um, I'd love to dive a little deeper into Restaurant 365. Can you share a little bit about the marketplace gap that your solution helps to fill and also what sets that apart from competitors in the space? Yeah. So Restaurant 365 is the restaurant industry's only all-in-one back office solution. So we are accounting, but we're also operations and we have a whole payroll and workforce component as well. It's a modular system. So you don't have to have all of it in order to be able to use it. Some people get started with one piece of it over another. Um, you know, it's really looking at what's your tech stack. You know, what are all the different things that you're using and how can we kind of help clean some of that up? When I meet with people in person, I always show them like the notepad file on my phone and every restaurant that I've worked for, I've had like, I've never for whatever reason deleted them. So I just have like all of these note files and it's like, here's the 30 some odd different websites that you have to sign into every day. And here's your pass, your, your login and your password for each one. And then as you know, well, this one, you have to change it every two months. And this one's every six months, you know, like updating all of that. And you can never use the same password in different places. It's all of these separate systems and they don't all really like talk to each other. And so for, for Restaurant 365, for us, we call that cloud chaos. Like, oh, it's in the cloud. It's in the cloud. That's great. We're not tethered to this one computer. But at the same time, I now have to like take info from this system and figure out how do I get it from here and put it over here. But then if somebody messes this up, it screws up this thing over here, you know, like all of that. And so what we really try to do is get all of that information in one place and really be that one source of truth. We're pulling in directly from Revel. We're hooking into the system and we're pulling sales and labor numbers back into Restaurant 365. And from the vendors, we're, you know, we have, I think it's 160, 180 different, like fully integrated vendors where we could pull your invoices directly in. And from your bank, we can hook into your bank and pull in all of your daily bank activity. And so now all of that information is flowing into one place and you kind of help bridge any of those gaps. Uh, my last restaurant group, they end of it was end of month, end of quarter, um, somebody from accounting didn't notice and booked a $35,000 batch of invoices to the wrong month. 
And to them, it was like, oh, well, like we see what it is. And so like, we don't worry, like, we'll know that it'll balance out. I'm like, well, that's great for you. But for me, like my team and I bonus off of these numbers. And like right now, like, yes, chef's kiss. This is making this month's numbers look great. This quarter's numbers look great, but it's going to totally screw us over for next month and next quarter. So like, how do we get this fixed? Because right now I know where my numbers are at. I'm kind of riding the lightning and, uh, you know, and I'm trying to teach my team again, succession plan, trying to teach my team how to better manage their numbers. So I think a big gap that we try to fill is, you know, how do you prevent those those mistakes from happening. If everybody is working in separate systems, when you have a problem, you have to bring everybody together and then try to figure out where the discrepancy is. And for us, it was three days of me, my director, and two people from the accounting team going back and forth and sharing emails and scanning in invoices all over again to send them back and forth. And instead with Restaurant 365, we're all working in the same place. You know, We're all swimming in the same pool everybody has their lane that they stay in, you know, we all can decide as leadership, you know, kind of what, what stroke everybody does as they're going through the pool. But we also as leadership can decide, you know, what, what's adult swim? What are the things that we don't need our hourly employees to see, or, you know, you know, lower level managers to see, but that we want to have for senior leadership. And we, all of that happens inside of one place. So we all know that we're working off the same numbers and there's no like gotcha moment at the end of the month. There's no question about it because we're all playing together and working off the same sets of numbers. Yeah. And I'd love to really take a, just a closer look at the concept of direct integration. Um, you know, something we saw, especially in response to pandemic conditions, was a lot of operators taking that same entrepreneurial, scrappy mentality that you often need in a restaurant setting and just saying, okay, I'm going to add this thing, but I'm I'm not going to like fully integrated. I'm just going to kind of tack it on and it'll solve my problem and it'll be fine. So, you know, I would imagine just kind of a seamless nature would be a big part of the benefit, but would really love your perspective on just the value of a fully direct integration into systems like a point of sale platform. Yeah. I mean, you know, the great thing with those bolt-on tools are like, oh, I have this and I just need it to do this. Well, you don't do that. So, okay. So I'll grab this one. I'll add it on. And then I'll grab this one and I add it on. And I grab this one and I add it on. It's almost like that you start here. And as you keep adding and adding, you get so top heavy that all of a sudden everything kind of falls apart. And then you can't figure out where, like, what was it that caused it? Was it that last one or was there a break somewhere in the middle? You know, what, where did that breakdown really happen? And so instead, when everything kind of pulls in directly, you know, when we, when we speak to folks about our integrations with, with different point of sale systems, I mean, we, we work with, 110 different point of sale systems that we have direct integrations with, but specifically like with Revel, we have kind of like these five different characteristics that we can kind of check off as features and benefits and things like that. And with Revel, we have all five of them, one of only, I think, three point of sales that we have that with, but we can go in and not only can we pull in all of your sales and labor numbers, but we can, you know, pull data from your system throughout the course of the day. So like maybe a, a smaller operator you know, doesn't need to see their numbers throughout the course of the day, but somebody who's, you know, maybe around five, seven units and starting to grow. And now they don't have that, their hands aren't in it every day. And now that owner, that leadership has to take a step back, but they still want to see where their numbers are at. So being able to have that direct integration in means that I can be anywhere and I can pull my numbers up on my phone and see, you know, where my sales are at for the day for each one of my locations, where my labor is at, um, you know, being able to see those invoices that are coming into the system before the truck even shows up. So I can realize, am I getting a substitution? Am I getting shorted on something? Do I have to find that contingency plan? Or, 
hey, wait a minute, why is you know bacon so expensive right now? I can call my rep before the truck even gets there and find out, am I getting an adjustment on this invoice? Or is this just like my current pricing or like what's going on? So really helping, having those direct integrations is making it where there's more answers to the questions. There's still going to be questions. It's not that there's less questions. It's just that now you have those answers that are a lot easier. And because we're an accounting platform as well, and we can bring all of your different bank account information in, and now you can see that activity. Now, if there's a check that you see in the bank account that you don't see in Restaurant 365, well, who wrote this check? Where did it come from? Why are we writing checks if they're not going through the system? And for like some restaurant groups that I talk to, they, they just, oh yeah, well, like our managers cut checks. And I'm like, so you do understand if you give them access to your QuickBooks, for example, uh, you know, and they can write checks, they can write checks to anybody. How often do you audit the checks that they're writing? And they're like, well, I just try to look at the numbers at the end of the month. And I'm like, but by then, they, you know, like I never want to think that anybody's doing anything negative, but I also grew up in this industry and I'm just too too jaded of a former chef to think that everybody has nothing but the most pure intentions. And so it was funny, I was, while I was in Columbus, I had dinner with this the CFO that that's now using the platform. And she had a quote that I got from her during her first demo that I still use. And I told her the other night at dinner that I use this quote constantly, that trust is great, but control is better. And having a system where you can trust your team to do what's right, but you still have controls in place that they can't, they can't do something that will totally take your system down. You know, you can set those guardrails up where you have, you can prevent things from happening. So I think that's a, a big part of it of, you know, how do we have those direct integrations, those direct connections, but we're not giving up all of the control when we have that integration, you know, setting it up so that we're getting true data, but we're not giving everybody the keys to the castle and then things just go sideways so quickly. So really having that, that control piece built into. Nice. So one of our shared clients might just be the hottest chicken brand out there. Are you able to share some of the successes that they've experienced through direct integration of Restaurant 365 with their Revel POS platform? Yeah. I mean, I think for the, the mutual customer that we have, the mutual client, his chicken is insanely hot. Let's just say his name is, I don't know, Dave. Um, so, you know, in talking to Dave and Dave's team, they're finding so many uses for the system. So they started with us when they were a handful of locations. And now I think are up to around 250 locations and they franchise. And so they basically tell their franchisees, you know, hey, this is what we use. And here's all the success that we've seen with it. You don't have to use this system for everything, but, you know, we think it's a really good idea. And for those people with Dave's, they get a really good deal with us. Uh, you know, so like kind of like tying all of those pieces together, but specifically being able to find consistency across the entire company, uh, looking at purchasing and figuring out if I can see all of my locations, every item that people are buying as we continue to grow. So now we've gone from our small market that we know all of our vendors and, you know, like it's the, everything's coming out of that same broadliner, you know, distribution hub. And now we're growing and now we're in multiple States and now we're, you know, growing across the country or even growing, you know, into Canada. How do we still keep an eye on what are our locations buying? Are they buying the products that we want them to have, making sure they're not cutting corners? Uh, so they've been have, able to have really great visibility into that, being able to see uh, the items that are being purchased. So we know what's approved. Why are you buying these items that aren't approved? But also being able to find total usage. You know, At the end of the day, when you can find a, an item that your company uses so much of that you can go back to your vendor and you can lock down contracted pricing, 
our buddy Dave, when they looked at some of their numbers, they were able to go back to the table and renegotiate for you know a couple of core items. And I think they found basically $80,000 worth of savings in less than a year that they were then able to take back and redistribute out to all of their locations as you know they basically got this back because they were like why are you overcharging us off of contract pricing and like you know things like that that restaurant 365 can track you know what why are you doing that we need these credits back and then they were taking that information back and then redistributing it back to their their individual locations so i mean 80,000 reasons to to find something that's going to help give you those better controls because at the end of the day, you know, when you look at contract pricing for something like chicken, the, the price may go up a couple of pennies per pound. But when you're buying hundreds and thousands of pounds of chicken, not, you know, per week, that's adding up and it's compounding. And when you look at it over the course of the year, you know, that $80,000 uh, didn't come from one big jump. It didn't come from one big spike in prices. It came from these little teeny tiny pennies. You know, it's watch the pennies and the dollars add up. That's information that you don't normally have from that above store perspective to really see those little tiny changes and really see how they've changed over time at all of your different locations. And so having a tool like ours, you know, has definitely helped them not only see that, but they can see how much of it they're using because they build their recipes in 365. We link their recipe to the button pushes that are happening in Revel. And because they control how Revel is being set up, you know, now they can see, okay, we know that this button push equals this recipe. So we can see your usage. We can see how much product everybody's moving. It's helped them make better decisions across the company as far as what are new items that we want to, you know, keep, what are things that maybe we want to scale back. So I think Dave is pretty happy with us. I actually just saw that uh, a couple of Dave's got a couple of new spots that were just opening up that just jumped onto the uh, onto the system as well. So it's great to see a, a brand, a partner that started not small, but you know definitely started kind of a, a little bit on the you know smaller regional ish side and keep growing and growing and growing. You know that we get to be a partner in that, and you know for for Restaurant 365, it's that, you know, we help restaurants grow and, and we even kind of shifted that about a year and a half ago that we help restaurants thrive. You know, we don't want to just help a couple of people grow. We want to see everybody that uses our system, their business get better and be able to grow if that's what they want, because not everybody wants to grow. They don't want to scale up, but they want to have like a really great thriving business and they don't want to be tethered to it 99 hours a week. And so that's where the combination of those different systems, I think really helps a lot of our users especially our mutual customers kind of find, uh, find that value. Absolutely. And it has been such a cool thing watching Dave and friends grow. Um, it's just been a really, really neat story to follow. And it's been an honor to be a partner both with your team and with the brand directly. So one of my favorite things about working in technology is the innovative mindset that tech brands typically have. And so something is always in the works and I know Restaurant 365 recently debuted a new business intelligence tool at the National Restaurant Show. And so I would love to hear from you just a little bit more about that addition and the value that it's going to bring to the restaurants that implement it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we realized as an organization that information is key and having quick, easy access to actionable data is what we want for our restaurant operators. But a lot of restaurant, I mean, speaking for myself or my experience, you know, a lot of restaurant folks are not the most technical. Uh, a lot of kitchen people, especially, are just for whatever reason, not the most technical. And how do you get them to find information? And so I would think back to my time in restaurants where I would send reports out to my managers 
and my chefs and I'd say, okay, we're going to go over this, you know, later today, I'm going to stop by, we're going to talk about it or, you know, review this. And we're going to you know, discuss it at our weekly meeting. And then I would talk to everybody and everybody kind of had this like, yeah, so I mean, I think the numbers could be better. And it's like, well, but what can we do to make them better? And really getting that full understanding took drilling into the numbers. But in the operation, you know, when I was jumping around between seven different locations uh, and they were trying to manage their direct operation, they didn't have time to sit down and like drill into the numbers. And so what we did with with intelligence was kind of take that same concept and and turn it on its head. We wanted to be able to have all of this data that's coming in, whether it's coming in from the point of sale system like Revel, or it's data that's already existing inside Restaurant 365 for your accounting, your purchasing, your invoices, your scheduling. You know, all of this data is sitting here and you can find a lot of info. You just have to run a bunch of different reports. And so rather than having to run, you know, 10 or 12 different reports at the same time, why not give our owners, our operators, everybody a tool that they can create a dashboard for themselves. That's just the information that matters to them. You know, like we have some dashboards already set up in Restaurant 365. You know, you can kind of toggle between things, but you can't customize it. So you're stuck with, with what we gave you. And for some people, that's great. But for some people, they want to see different metrics. If you're a, a fast, casual, quick serve concept, you might want to be looking at uh, guests per labor hour instead of sales per labor hour, because you want to see, you know, how many tickets are our cashiers able to turn through and our kitchen can keep up with, uh, you know, for full service restaurants, you know, they want to look at those entrees per labor hour, you know, how efficient is my kitchen staff working? Uh, so, you know, looking at those different metrics and uh, restaurant metrics and numbers are like potato salad. Everybody has a different view. Everybody thinks theirs is the best. Uh, you know, and there's always that one that's got raisins in it that you're like, I don't know why you do what you do, but people seem to really like it. So it's not for me, but I'm going to let you do your thing. That's how we look at all the numbers. We want to be able to give folks access to all of that information in a way that they can see the numbers quickly and easily and pie charts and line charts and graphs and whatever it is that you want to, you know, have it look for your team, but we don't want them to spend time in the system trying to hunt it down. I joke, I tell people all the time that for our operators, we're the anti-software software company. Like we don't want operators to be spending time in the office trying to hunt and peck and find these numbers. We don't want them to be keying things in. We try to automate the system as much as possible but we also wanna make sure that they're not losing the information and they can have quick, easy access to it. And that's where from our beta testers to our earliest adopters to getting to show folks at the restaurant show, you know, hey, this is a tool that we have based off of feedback from our users and from our own experience, what do you think? And then people were looking at it and they're just like, so you can do this like on your phone? It's like, oh yeah, you can have access to this in our app as well. So like you can see these dashboards. So. If I want to have labor, you know, different labor metrics as something for that I want my team to focus on, I can make a dashboard that looks specifically at that. And now my team can just jump right in, look at that dashboard and see not only where they're at, they can compare themselves to other locations. They can see how they're performing week over week, last year, last month, you know, so helping keep them informed, just like looking at reports. You know, we want to give our managers information to make them better, but we don't want them to spend tons of time having to figure out you know, how to crunch the numbers all the time. You know, we want them sometimes to be able to just have a snapshot and here's where you're at. And this will update itself throughout the course of the day. So you guys can keep running the business, but you can do it in a informed, knowledgeable way. And so that's really where intelligence came in. We wanted to be able to give our operators not only the canned dashboards that we build, but we want to be able to give them the ability to make stuff that's specific to them so that it works for them and their team. And it filters from the top down. So I can make one dashboard for myself to look at everything. 
but my restaurant manager, when they sign in, might only see just their own information. So I don't have to worry about people getting overwhelmed by things that don't matter to them. I can see what I need to see for my day-to-day. They can see what they need to see for their day-to-day. And ultimately, it's it's with that goal of helping the business continue to to improve, you know, kind of tighten up our numbers, but also, you know, be in that position to to grow and thrive. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you're really just making people's lives easier. And that's pretty invaluable. <laughs> Especially in this business, you know, you never hear about somebody making your life easier. It's always, they made my life harder. So anything that right. we can do to make it easier for our owners, our operators, our accountants, you know, everybody involved, even our hourly employees, make it easy for them to look at their schedule and update their availability. You know, what can we do to make it easy? Because if everything has five less obstacles in the day, then you're not going to be so angry by the time you get through those five. You know, if you don't have to plow through five walls in order to get to the finish line, it's going to be a lot easier for you to do it. And so it's going to make work less of a chore. It's going to make it something that, you know, you can enjoy more. You can really have those high moments instead of those angry shake of the fist moments. Absolutely. Before we officially wrap things up, is there anything that we haven't covered yet that you'd love to share? Any morsels of advice maybe? Um, I mean, I think... I think the biggest thing that I can say for most people, like for coming out of this industry is just be open to new ideas, whether that's changing point of sales, you know, you have those handwritten tickets and that always work really well. And now somebody else is trying to say, well, look at, look at a system like Revel, let's see what it can do, you know, and you're trying to shake that off, you know, or, or looking at a system like restaurant 365 or any, any kind of technology, you know, the, the world is becoming a more tech driven place. And while I know that for restaurants, we still, you know, try to swear that off, it's not going to sacrifice what you do by leaning into a little bit of technology. You know, it's hard to staff restaurants. 48% of, of our respondents, we sent out two different surveys. Beginning of the year, 30, 38% said staffing is their biggest struggle this year. 48% of them uh, said it mid-year. That It's still so hard for them to find staffing. And so when you're still dealing with things like that, how do you make it a little bit easier, not only for yourself, but for your team? Like, you know, think about you, what's in it for me, but also what's in it for every person that's on your team as well. And so I think that's where a lot of those tech pieces can really slide in and help make things easier for everybody. Couldn't agree more. Rich, I know I speak for both myself and for Kate when I say it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you. And just really, I am so truly grateful for the partnership between Restaurant 365, Revel, and the fun opportunities that we have to connect with people like you, even as we are on the tech side of the equation. So truly, thank you for the time today. And I uh, will have to look for you, if not sooner, at the next restaurant show. Absolutely. Thank you both so much for having me. It was great to chat with you and and kind of talk about our, our amazing partnership that I love getting to work with all of our Revel clients, but also getting to connect with you all. And definitely uh, next uh, next trade shows that we're at, we're going to have to meet up and, and hang out and swap some more stories and have some more fun. Absolutely. All right. Have a good one. Thanks. You too. Top Chef is impressive, but you really know you've made it when you land a feature on Revel's podcast. All kidding aside, it was so cool to talk with Rich about his many roles within the industry. And on behalf of our entire team, I am so grateful for Restaurant 365's continued partnership. I couldn't agree more. And I absolutely loved hearing about Rich's own restaurant journey going all the way back to the bagel shop. My guess is that 
experience adds some major credibility for him as he's engaging with prospective customers for Restaurant 365. You're probably right about that. Rich definitely has a cool story, and it's awesome to see our partnership drive results for shared clients in the restaurant industry. So on the warm and fuzzy note of collaboration, I'd like to close things out with a heartfelt thank you to all of our listeners, new and loyal, for tuning in. Like and subscribe to Restaurant and Retail Revelations on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you get your podcasts to make sure you never miss an episode. And we will be back soon with fresh new content and even more revelations. Revelations.